Columbus Business First weekly podcast where we enjoy and discuss a beer and then also beer-related news and sometimes other news, all sorts of news here at Columbus Business First, uh, to go along with our brews. So I am Dan Eaton. Joining me this week are... Eleanor Kennedy. Carrie Ghosh. And Mark Summerson. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Diving right in. So this week, we actually have a timely piece of beer, can of beer. It is scented. So this week's beer is from Forbidden Root. They are a Chicago brewery, but they will soon be of local interest because they are opening up a brew pub at Easton. We broke that story, actually, last November, if I can pat myself on the back briefly. (laughs) We broke that story last November that this Chicago brew pub is coming to Easton, and now... In advance of their opening, they have released cans of several of their core beers to the market. So if you want to get a preview of Forbidden Root, uh, you can find them at assorted stores around town. So the uh, the beer I picked was their Strawberry Basil Hefeweizen, which they claim is their flagship. What were you just reacting to, Gary? I had already we taken all a sip. We have a nice foam and yours. You didn't you, have you, a head on you yours. You have a poor pour. No, I think I had a good pour. <laughs> I poured it at an angle, so I had no... I you do like a good head, though, because it releases the Well, I'd already also already taken a sip. The other fun thing about us drinking this beer today is that it is hot off the presses, literally. Uh, so warm off the presses. All, all our commentary is on a non-chilled <laughs> version of this beer, because that is Dan's devotion to uh, allowing us to record this podcast at noon, because it is the Friday before Labor Day. <laughs> to, to timely beer acquisition. Yes, it was uh, fresh out of the box. It wasn't even in the pricing system yet at the store where I acquired it. So <laughs> it is It is a tad room temperature <laughs> which so may not be too good. expensive. Are we, yeah, are like we among one. the first people in Columbus to have this beer, then? Probably. Wow. Probably. We are like uh, pioneers in uh, craft brewery. I just finished a book that the premise involved a poison garden, which is what Forbidden Root is making me think of, poison gardens. It was a garden. I mean, this is a novel, but I assume these are a real thing. It was a garden where somebody who was an analytical chemist grew a bunch of stuff that was poisonous in order to, like, research it. Yes. Which I'm just now realizing that the book raises the idea that his daughter was poisoned accidentally or not, and then never resolves that, which I guess maybe just speaks the world we live in. If anyone has read The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware, <laughs> let me know what you thought. Um, I'm going to talk about the beer. Yes, oh, let's good. talk about the beer. This I like beer this a, a lot. It is full-on strawberry taste, but not overly sweet. No, it, Yeah, it's not too much strawberry. It's. I don't feel like is, I'm drinking Kool-Aid or The yeah. color is, uh, how would you describe this? Like Metamucil? Murk, yes, like a murky orange-ish. And maybe that's the basil. Maybe it's the strawberry without any food dye in yeah. it. But it's yeah, yeah. Strawberries actually give, I believe it was Wolf's Ridge. I think I talked to them about it at one point. And strawberries uh, can give beer almost a brownish mm. kind of color. Mm. Um, oddly, you wouldn't necessarily think that. But, uh, no. but my strawberry quick uh, that I drank <laughs> as a kid was yeah. bright pink. So what I'll say I like about this beer is I used to love Hefeweizens. That was kind of my go-to beer. Mm-hmm. And then I went on a brewery tour where they said that uh, Hefeweizens tastes like bananas. And I had never tasted the banana before. But after that, that was like all I could taste was the banana. <laughs> and I like a banana, but a green banana that's like real tart. I don't like a banana-y banana. 
And so I stopped enjoying Hefeweizens because it was just like I was drinking banana juice. But I, So I feel like the strawberry slash maybe the basil kind of cuts the banana Do taste. Do you taste any banana? Well, now I'm probably now going to I'm on my next. Now I'm starting because I, you just mentioned I was going to say, I actually don't. I definitely get the, the strawberry and the basil I, in you know, not much of a of a classic. Yeah, know, I think the strawberry is basil. overriding where I would normally taste banana, and then the I think the basil gives it a little bit of mm-hmm. like a like a an, earthy. Yeah, mm-hmm. cuts the sweetness a bit. Bananas and basil? bananas and cloves. That's the the Hefeweizen really? taste profile. Bananas and cloves. I didn't know that. Yeah, or did I? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we've had a Hefeweizen on. Uh... I feel like we've talked about bananas before. I almost one of the, the one of the other beers yeah, I considered bringing actually was a straight Hefeweizen, and I will maybe bring it in a future week. But uh, does but anybody know week. what Hefeweizen means? Just in, in if we're going to go down that German road again, I think it's wheat beer. Oh, I know it is a wheat beer. I don't know if that's the direct uh, transa- translation. Let's just not know. Okay. On the subject of <laughs> of not knowing <laughs> of stuff we've brought up before, so we said so. This is a Chicago brewery, mm-hmm. but the can says that this beer is brewed in Madison, Wisconsin. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So Carrie, Carrie, go ahead. And yeah, give us a Wisconsin <laughs> review. Of this yeah, beer. forbidden root. <laughs> no, it's this is great. I want, so they're using a contract. Yes, so that would be that theory. would be my guess. Yeah, oh, so they're based I, yeah. in Chicago. I but think the, uh, the Rhinelander is using a, a Madison contract brewer until they can rebuild. Growing up, my parents referred to Madison as the People's Republic of Madison. Oh. I think I've definitely made that comment on this mm-hmm. podcast before. Yeah. Uh, it which, is it is quite liberal there. Yeah, um, my brother and sister in law and their family live in Madison. Mm-hmm. And I love visiting there. It's but they have a polka bar. So I mean, the it's best a bar where you go to drink in polka. Not me. I mean, I don't polka. Oh dear. Yeah, look at your life and look at your choices. I <laughs> polkaed with my dad for our first dance. My first dance, or not my first dance. My dance with my dad at our wedding was a polka to um, the song from The King and I. Um, <laughs> Shall we dance? Yes. Yeah, yes. I know that one. Uh, I'm still not convinced that my dad believes he knows how to polka. I'd, I'm not convinced that he does, but it was very cute. I, I once wrote a story when I worked for the News Herald up in Mentor uh, about a woman in Cleveland who created a, this was as Cleveland as it gets, a workout video that was all polka-sizing. Mm. And she had a full band, a polka band, at her video shoot, and I was there to cover it, and it was... One of the weirdest afternoons I've ever spent. Well, I'm going to YouTube after this. <laughs> <laughs> my, the best thing about my dad's love of polka is that my dad is not Polish. My, he, but he married into a Polish family and fell in he love with the polka, the polka, I guess. So polka, that's polka, about polka. all he'll do from a dancing perspective. I have people in western Pennsylvania, so there is polka. Is Wisconsin <laughs> a bigger polka state than Pennsylvania? I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to. I mean, I've been to Pennsylvania. I've never polkaed in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Nor have I, but I've Milwaukee witnessed other is, people do it. I would think is so. A, is a polka place? Yes. Is Kenosha the polka capital of Wisconsin? I'm just throwing that out there. Just because <laughs> it's the most Wisconsin-y sounding. No, I Wisconsin in uh, Home Alone, mm-hmm. uh, John, John Candy, Candy. Uh, was talking polka, about all of polka. the polka spots in Wisconsin, and I think Sheboygan was well, mentioned. I, no, that's because they're from Chicago and Kenosha. Yeah. The, it's a fun name to say, yeah. and yeah. he's not going to say Oconomowoc, I which is Cal Monaco backwards. <laughs> Anyways, so beer news. So this beer is good. Funny yes. city names. Walla Walla. 
I think that's a Simpsons joke. I, I was I, I went to Mike Birbiglia in my head, but I can't quite remember the bit to say it. So people who like Mike Birbiglia, that's what I'm thinking of. Waya Waya Washington, I believe is what he says. The La Quinta Inn in Waya Waya Washington. <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, Dan, beer news. Us, news. <laughs> There's big beer news this week. Forstering, Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I even took notes. I just kind of <laughs> blanked on. I, I was actually I was pausing because <laughs> I I, I, I didn't know if I needed I didn't know if I needed to say more about a Forbidden Root. I did want to say that so they're going to have four, Forbidden Root at least is going to have four beers out in the market now. I'm glad with this choice, but somewhat. I, if my one regret is they also do an oak-aged Vienna lager, which sounds mm. super interesting to me. I like mm. Vienna lagers. I like oak aging, so I'm super curious about, about what that tastes like. So in retrospect, I almost wish I would have gotten that, but, Blaine, you know. Oak wasn't aging, is that mm-hmm. in a oak bourbon barrel? barrel or oak, just an oak, oak barrel? barrel? Yeah. So, so just a plain kind of oak. Chardonnay-ish? Yeah, oaky. Mm. And then what is, I like a, an oaky what is a Vienna lager? Is it's, it like Vienna beef? Or sausage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it have snap to oh it? Oh, God, we're going to go back to Wisconsin and Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, what's a Vienna um, it's, it's a, a sort of a maltier lager. Almost, it's kind of akin to a red ale. It's not a red ale, okay. ale because red ale's an ale and lager's a lager. It's different yeast, different processes. But, I mean, in terms of, like, look in some of the, the, the malt. The beer, brewery I was talking about, Devil's Backbone, their flagship product mm-hmm. is Vienna lager, and they... Have won all kinds of awards for it and stuff, so I'll bring it sometime and we can talk about Virginia. I think that's interesting that they just take an oak barrel that's never been used for anything else mm-hmm. and toss uh, a beer in yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's very cool. Yeah, and I like I like the flavor that that oak imparts on beer. So. Is uh, Forbidden Root going to have food at their Easton? Yes, they will have food in addition to their drinks. They're kind of a quirky brewer drink-wise. Uh, aside from these, their their whole pitch is that they use flowers and herbs and, and other things. Mm, in herbs, beer. I can so, definitely see. Um, so I would imagine that their brewery is going to have some, some kind of wild... Um, uh, interesting creations beyond the stuff that they it put feels like games. a great British baking show <laughs> appropriate brewery. <laughs> Except they would say herb. We'll have some elderflower. Where else do they have uh, brew pubs? Just Chicago. This beer tastes really good warm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Like, a lot of beers taste terrible when it's. Well, you shouldn't drink beer too cold. That right. Is, that is. But this one's really fine at almost yeah. room temperature. Yeah. I think it would benefit from a chill, but it's quite mm-hmm. enjoyable. I think yeah. it's partially because it has so many like flavors to it. So mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you're drinking a a less complex beer, warm, it just mm-hmm. tastes like bad Bush water. Light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Certainly, like a pilsner right. is the main corona thing I'm thinking light, of. Maybe? But Oof. warm Corona, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says summer. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like a hot Corona on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so beer news. What's happening with the old four-string space? Right? Yes, interesting beer news this week. The old four-string brewery out on Hague Avenue is going to have a new occupant, uh, or is, is in line for a new occupant. There's there's some deals that still need to be finished, but uh, Wolf's Ridge Brewing has applied for a license for that facility that would essentially turn it into their production facility. They're downtown. If you've been in their space where they have a very successful tap room and event space and restaurant, they're pretty squeezed for production space on, on the brewery side. So they've been looking, they'd been looking for a while for a space of their own and considered even, even building some, but with the closing of Four String last year, there is happens to be a large facility with more than enough room and capacity out on the city's west side. 
that can accommodate them. So they're going to be going into that space. That's going to facilitate a move into cans for them as well. They, they bottle all their beers now. They're still going to bottle their, their larger special releases, but their mainline beers are pretty much going to transition to cans by the end of this year or early next year. So Now, Dan, what will we not find at that <laughs> facility, though? At, at least initially, um, there are no plans to reopen to open a tap room there. Four-string operated tap room out of that brewery. Wolf's Ridge, their focus at the moment is getting production up and running and moving into cans. They don't have any plans at this point to do a tap room. I think they've since said online you know, conceded, maybe they will. But, I would but have to imagine that eventually they would uh, maybe see some advantage. You know, the space, space is there. But Wolf's Ridge, if you've been to their restaurant, they, they take a lot of pride in kind of their vibe and look. And they obviously, they're not going to, they're not going to set up a tap room just to have a tap room. So mm-hmm. I, I imagine if they're going to do it, they're going to want to do it in their sort of style, and that will take investment in time. Yeah, I guess so, if they did a restaurant stuff with it too, that would be a much heavier. Thing. You know, I don't know if they want to do that out there, but yeah. uh, it was an interesting space, kind of cavernous and dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an industrial space. Well, the tap room itself yeah. it was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, four String had the walls painted black, which probably <laughs> didn't, which fit their brand, but but probably didn't uh, contribute right. to a feeling of of uh, you know openness and warmth. So, do they purchase the building? No, the building, the same property owner that owned it for Four String still owns the building. They are selling the equipment. I was going to say, is the equipment still in it? Should we remind listeners where? Uh, Hilltop is brewed now, which is uh, Four Strings, you know. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, Four String is dead, but as we as we've reported, uh, has been revived in the form of their Hilltop Lager. They they brought that back. And speaking of contract brewing, it is brewed up in Michigan for now. Though though Dan Cochran, sort of the lead founder of Four String and, and kind of the lead on the revival of Hilltop, has talked about wanting to bring that back to put that production back to Ohio, particularly central Ohio at some point. But uh, at some level, you got to go with the people that you trust to make the beer that you need. Mm -hmm. So as of now, that's in Michigan. Okay. I wanted to, some other news this week that is, that is, Beer related in that most restaurants serve beer and related to the beer that we were drinking, Forbidden Root. Big Easton news this week, Dan. Yeah, in Easton news, there's a company in New York called Arc Restaurants that operates about 40 restaurants around the U.S. They do a lot of casino projects. They have several things. Including in New, New York, New yes, York. In New York, New York, Vegas, Atlantic City, Random Homes, Florida, Foxwoods. They have a restaurant in Faneuil Hall in Boston, mm. which isn't a casino. but uh, And then they have several in New York. They operate all sorts of different concepts. Their CEO on a quarterly uh, conference call with stock analysts just sort of randomly dropped the tidbit that they're in talks with Easton to bring some restaurants here, as many as 20 to 25 over the next five years, which is kind of a crazy number. Easton wouldn't clarify what they're looking to do or what this could be. You know, they said it's too soon, and, and the CEO in the call acknowledged as much as well that, that, you know, there's certainly no deal in place, but there's obviously discussions going on where they would bring some of their own restaurants here. They're, they're looking to for joint venture partners for maybe other brands that want to be here but don't have the ability to necessarily operate 
however many miles away from their home home site. So it, it sounds like they would be almost a, this is speculative, but like a restaurant operations sure. partner of some some extent, which Our, is just it's it's a it's an interesting deal. We don't know much about it at this time, other than it's not a done deal. And you know Easton well. Do you think that Easton shoppers are starving? <laughs> no, but I do think I think food food's what's really successful there. You mm-hmm. know, retail is in far more flux than restaurants are. They have, you know, 50 some restaurants at Easton in and around Easton already from, you know, small little little shops to, you know, full, you know, massive, you know, massive operations like a cheesecake factory things like that. Yeah, so adding 20 to that, I mean, is it yeah. all in the new expansion? They, or, they, I mean, I know there's a yeah. bacon barbecue the vacant space across from the Macy's right now. Yeah, and how many current. are available and how many are being added? So, and is this place going to just dominate all of this? Again, fully speculative. I would imagine that some of the some of these spots would be turnover from restaurants that either have left, like Kona Grill, or are mm-hmm. leaving or might leave in the future. Uh, there is the the big expansion going on, which is creating more restaurant spaces, including for Forbidden Root. Mm-hmm. As we've talked about here, and Crimson Cup, which we also wrote about this week, yeah, which is going to have a new coffee Ooh, shop over there. So there's room for expansion there. But one of the crazy things about Easton is that they still have a lot of land for as for as big as that place is. The companies that control those that you know whole district over there, Georgetown and, and Steiner and and L Brands, like there's a lot of land to still build on. So mm-hmm. you know who knows how this you know, 20 to 25 restaurants would, would sort out, but I would imagine it would be a mix of some current spaces and some spaces that don't exist now, frankly. The limit does not exist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there are some local smaller restaurants that would love to get into Easton. Is that, is that something that is, I don't know what the, Mm -hmm. the rent is out there, but is that an expensive proposition if you're a, a growing restaurant in central Ohio to open up out there? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be more expensive than probably, my guess is going to be any place but the short north. Can, you can find cheaper real estate elsewhere, but risk and reward, it's more pricey, but the volume of people that are Traffic, there yeah. is is insane. So, you know, there's a real opportunity there if you, you know, if the numbers work, you can yeah. make them work for you. Yeah. Are most of the restaurants that are out there national chains or... Is it a good mix of local and, and national? I think it's a mix. I think they've done a pretty good job, even from the beginning, of, of always having a, a, a local component. But they bring, you know, there's certainly national chains there. They've, they've, there's been a big push. I mean, there's always been uh, somewhat of a push to have, even if it's, a, if it's a national brand or a chain, to have, you know, sort of first to market, you know, whether that's Columbus, first Ohio. They've always tried to, to do that to some degree, and I think... It feels like there's more of that now going forward that, that they, they know they need to further, you know, kind of keep their advantage. It still has to be interesting mm-hmm. concepts like this Ivan Kane, Forty Deuce, uh, Speakeasy and Cafe. You know, there aren't any of those out there. I mean, it's a spinoff of some other things that he had done, but, but sure. like not quite in this form. They're bringing True Food Kitchen, which has a, only about 20 in the U.S., but it's pretty popular in the areas where it's at. They're bringing them in. So, you know, it's a chain, but it's you can't find them elsewhere in Ohio. Like Cheesecake Factory. Hmm. Right. Impossible. <laughs> Again, I've not been to a Cheesecake Factory Ever? in a long time. No, a long yeah. time. I lived in, close to one. Three apartments ago. The nice so thing is, is the portions are very reasonable. Yes, and the menu is limited. You can get what you <laughs> want. 
Right. I'm going to plug one other bit of beer news, and then we can uh, we can do our, our goodbye round. We teased it last week. The, the BrewDog annual meeting was this past weekend. I wrote about that this week, and some of the updates that they had is they're going to open what they call kennels, which is their extension of their doghouse hotel. It's going to be four shipping containers that they're going to put out on the property that they're going to convert into multi-room suites with little patios that sit around its nice little water feature out there. So it's a kind of a clever way to expand their hotel, which has been very popular. It was actually just in the past week named one of Time Magazine's uh, 100 Most Interesting Places in the World for 2019. So a little local accolade of of, of note for them. They're also going to bring a distillery here. They're going to do it inside the brewery. Uh, They they have a distillery over in Scotland already, so they're already doing this. So it makes sense that they bring those capabilities here as well, but they want to add, you know, vodka, gin, bourbon, other creations to what they do here. That's probably over a year away, though, mm-hmm. until that's going to come online. Good reason to uh, spend the night in Canal Winchester. Anyways, I do need to go to a lunch, <laughs> yes. so I will say I thought this beer was good. Thanks, Dan, for getting it. Bye. Carrie? I'd like to pour one out for Polly. Indeed. Our, our best girl for 17 years. Well, 16 was with us, but... Our condolences. Thank you. Yes. Drink one. Raise one for Polly uh, when you listen to this and all the good dogs out there. Mark? Love this beer. I didn't uh, know what to expect, but I'm a Forbidden Root fan now. All right. I will not pour out this beer because it tastes too good. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I like this beer as well. I'll throw that in. But uh, this is this week's edition of News and Brews. Thanks for tuning in and come back next week where we will have more news and more brews. (laughs) 